Hey, basketball fans, the season won't be around forever, even if your team does make the playoffs. So get into all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings giving new players a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes. You can claim your free shot at that million dollars just by using the code TBPN during sign-up. You play in daily fantasy basketball simple. You just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see how your team does against you know your best friend or some random stranger from around the world. You can take their money. Either way, you can win by playing with DraftKings. You can feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, every steal, assist, they all mean a little bit more to you because, I mean, you, you're right there with DraftKings. You got money riding on it. And, hey, if you baseball fans... Y'all might have missed out on the season-long fantasy, so, hey, y'all know we got you covered there, too. With DraftKings, your payday comes every day for players when you win, so what you waiting for? Head over, download the app now from your favorite store, download the DraftKings app, and use the code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions reply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey, New Orleans Pelicans fans. Welcome back to the Protect the Nest podcast. Got another great guest today. Coach Roy from over at Delgado. We had Coach Dumas on yesterday, but they teaming up to do some big things in the city. Coach Roy, how you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing excellent, man. How's everything going? Oh, man, like I say, enjoying this weather, trying to get out there and play a little bit of hoops before we start complaining about the weather and it's too hot. Yes, sir. <laughs> but, uh, Coach, before we get started, tell the people where they can find you on social media and all so they can track what you, you've been doing as one of the biggest movers and shakers for a positive culture building of basketball in New Orleans. I say that. I put my name on it. You, Coach Dumas, Coach Micah, y'all been doing great, great stuff. So how can the people follow you if they want to stay engaged? Um, You can you can go on Instagram. It's uh, Coach, C-O-A-C-H-R-O-R-Y. And on Twitter, it's Coach Rory P. Gotcha, Coach. Uh, well, how did... Just before we get started into that, can you, can you give us a rundown on your season? I know y'all had one of the better seasons at Delgado. We want to give you all the recognition we can for that. But, but yeah, tell us how far you went and where you want to take the program. Man, I mean, I was, I was pleased with the way that we played overall. I was pleased um, with the way that we progressed as a unit. Um, but I, I wasn't satisfied. and It, it, it wasn't that we didn't... Uh, we didn't win a championship. It's just that I felt like we we were just getting there. We were just starting to hit our peak when uh, when our season came to an end, man. But you know, we finished in the third round this year. Um, we lost a game before the Final Four. We went up to uh, Northeast. Uh, we lost to a really good team, uh, you know, Northeast CC. And um, nah, man. I mean, I was you know I was you know very thankful uh, to just be a part of this team this year. I mean, it was just a lot of a lot of great memories, man. To get to the Final Four, our point guard Brandon Davis ended up making a game winner. I mean, it was just a just unbelievable moments throughout the course of the season, and everything that we had to battle through with with starting late with practice and everything due to COVID. I mean, it's just uh, it's, it's a lot of great memories that came from it. Coach, only one team can win the championship at the end of the year, but don't say yourself short. You're building champions over there, 
and, and it's it's paying off dividends once these kids leave school. Talk. Can you give us a, just a talk real quick about getting the kids in school? I've seen you've recruited a new few players. You've sent some, you know, have graduated, going on to four-year schools. Can you talk about that process and getting a kid, say, from maybe freshman year of high school through the AAU and high school and then getting into to your program? I think, man, um, if you're blessed with a gift, I think you should um, reap the benefits of that gift. You should work hard into – you know, where uh, you know you should be able to you should be able to benefit from it. Um, a lot of kids play the game because they love it, and that's you know that's great. But in high school, um, if you have the opportunity to get a scholarship, I mean that's it's just so important, man. It's just it's just so important in this landscape. Um, you know, with us, we're taking kids, uh, we're trying to get them to graduate, get their associate's degree, and then move on to four year schools. Um, when I first started coaching, this was this was probably the the main reason why I kept coaching. The first year I, I was coaching, I did it because it was fun, and I, I just got into it by accident. I always knew I wanted to do it, but that season I got into it um, just by accident, just these kids asking me, hey, coach, can you coach our CYO team? And, um, you know, those kids got older, and, you know, they you know they had an opportunity to go to college, and, you know, me, that's that's a real championship for me, man. Being able to help these kids further their you know their academic career, their athletic career, um, you know, it's just, just great being a part of that. Yeah, and you're doing a lot to to maintain that. A lot of kids, uh, not to overgeneralize here, if they lose the high school sports during the summer, they kind of fall by the wayside. But you're doing a lot of stuff with the youth in the city, and also you got some open runs coming up out here. Can you can you tell the people about that and how much? That's going to, one, help the city, and how much it takes to get something like that started and maintain it so that we can keep this culture going. Well, I mean, last year, last year I uh, had an idea about it. I wanted to uh, wanted to get this rolling. We did it on a, a pretty good scale. We were limited on, you know, a lot of things because, you know, COVID had, had pretty much hit a few months before that, man, and we were just kind of, you know, limited on what we can do. But, it, you know, still very positive impact to the city. Um, a few months ago, you know, I contacted one of my uh, my coaching buddies, Sean Dumas, and I just hit him up and I said, man, listen, you know, I respect your grind. You know, we've been talking about Lincoln and, and you know, just collaborating on something for a while now, um, you know, just kind of ran into ideas. So we ended up meeting a few weeks ago. We're like, man, look, we're going to get this done. So the basis of this is bringing together um, some of the best players that, you know, recent players and guys that have played a few years ago and, and went on to play overseas or guys that are back home. The, it, it just representing Louisiana, representing the city of New Orleans. And we want to, we want a real talented group in the gym. We're going to have like 30 guys in a gym, 10 minute running clock games, no referees, just straight up old school basketball. And a lot of guys, they come home and they'll, you know, they'll be the best player in the gym because they'll go to a gym and they may meet up a few, with a few guys they know and go in a gym and just play a little bit. But this right here, everybody can go. Every single person in this run brings something to the table. So, you know, I'm eager to see how guys come in there and compete. Like, who's going to pick up full court? Who's going to talk on defense? You know, who's going to spread the floor? Who's going to try to dunk on somebody? Who's going to take their matchup personal? Like, those are the type of things that I'm looking for. And, I'm, you know, I was talking to Dumas about this. I'm like, you know, we can all get better from this. You know, me, I'm going to be taking my mental notes on certain things and, you know, certain players and, 
and the, the younger guys, the, the guys that are just getting into college, the guys that are pros, they need to be taking notes, but they need to be trying to get the best of the guys that are pros. I know, you know what I mean? And I just think this this pushes the culture, man. And, you know, we'll do this um, next Friday, May 7th and May 14th, and then we're going to do a women's, you know, college last pro open run. You know, I want this. I've been advocating, you know, for this for years that, you know, we have great ball players down here in the boot. You know, we're, you know, we, in the NFL and other places, we're represented heavy um, just because it's, uh, you know, it's a great football culture, but, you know, it's a basketball culture as well. And I, I think that we have a lot of great players down here that represent us, um, you know, in a positive light on a, on a national scale. Yeah, and Coach, I, I'll tell you this, looking at the past 20 years, there's been a lot of great players come out of New Orleans. Look at the most recent Final Fours. We had three New Orleans players and a couple coaches. But to me, and not to be too overly critical, it's almost like they've maintained a little bit of the culture in basketball in the city. But since, again, to, to give you and, and Coach Dumas and Coach Mike all the props y'all deserve, y'all have elevated the game to a certain way that the culture is now growing. It's, it's blooming. And I think when we look back 30 years from now, you'll see a basketball culture in this city that could possibly rival, you know, the Saints. Maybe not for Die Hard, and you're going to get more people in the Superdome than the S Smoothie King Center. But Absolutely. you're going to have a culture of basketball in this city that rivals the culture of football, and that's going to get kids out into the world, and they're going to bring those experiences back, and, and, and it's just going to be a lot better community and culture in general. And, and again, Coach, it's going to be your statue out front, that, that, that building, because you and Coach Dumas are really leading this charge. You know, I appreciate that, brother. And, you know, what, what, what fuels me is helping people. Like, I, I don't know what it is. And, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I kind of – I was the same way, and you know, because that's how I was raised. But with basketball, that's that's my main reason, you know, for promoting players, for, you know, marketing Delgado, for um, you know, training and putting out videos. Like, I want to promote these players – so that they reach their full potential. You know, I know how it is, you know, being in a city um, to where you're, you're quote-unquote slept on. So I want to give them, like, a fighting chance. So, like, when my players, like, sign to these, you know, these schools, and I have, like, guys that are in college that'll be, you know, signing pro contracts, you know, between now and the next year. And, uh, I mean, it's phenomenal, man, that I'm even that I'm even on this journey, that I've, that I've been blessed to walk this path in that. I love every second of it, man. Right, Coach, the more you walk that path and blaze a trail for some of these kids, the greater this city will be because they'll have way more opportunities. Uh, on the flip side, though, how do you, how have you experienced kids coming to you trying to maybe establish a network and a connection so they can get out of whatever situation or high school, wherever they're at, to get to Delgado? How, how have you ever had a kid just write you an open letter and try and sell himself, or are you just recruiting? Uh, and only looking at taking in players that you've seen. Well, I mean, I've had I've had a good number of players, man, from from all over the country. Like, you know what I mean? And, and you know, I wish I could honestly help more. You know, eventually, I wanna I wanna take this show on the road, and I wanna work with kids and you know, all over the world. You know what I mean? But as far as Delgado, man, it's tough because, you know, 15, 16 guys on the roster every year. We 
seven open spots this year for players. You know, pretty much signed five. We have one that's on a fence, and then we have one that's signing soon. So it'll be done. You know what I mean? Our class will be done. But I always have players the last two years that I've looked at uh, where I'm like, man, I, you know, if we had another team or if we had a, you know, a, a developmental team or even if, you know, if there was another situation, um, I would help them. And then there's some kids, to be honest, man, where I tell them straight up like, hey, you know, we don't have anything right now, but I'm going to make a call for you. This, you know, that situation may be better for you or you may be able to play into a situation based on that. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, I wish I could help more. And I, and I do get that. I, I actually get that a lot. I get a lot of players that, that want to come down to New Orleans, stay here for two years, develop, um, you know, work with me. And, you know, and I honestly wish from the bottom of my heart that I, that I was able to help more of them. Um, but it's possible to do so. Right. There's only so many spots. There's only so much you can do. But, yeah, helping people is in your blood. I can tell that from the first few moments I got around you. But to flip that same question, maybe to help a, a student athlete that's listening to this, how would you tell maybe a junior or senior in high school that feels like they've been kind of looked over, how would you tell them to market themselves besides just trying to get on a travel ball team? How could they go about actively you know, shopping themselves and finding the right situation for them? Well, if I, I honestly feel like if you can play, you can play. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there, there's this thing where, and I, and I don't want to um, jump subjects, but there's this thing where you have to play at a high major college program to go to the NBA. That's fault. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah, that's fault. definitely definitely fault. We had, look at Dort. He's undrafted. He's made it. Duncan Robinson was D3. Uh, not to switch it back, but you got Raji that was in your gym. I truly think he should be able to go overseas and start almost immediately because I've been watching a lot of, you know, like Switzerland basketball. I got a friend over there. He plays for a team called Grasshoppers. He's on the under-23s. But I, I, I really saw that big man doing a lot of work in that gym. And and, oh, yeah. and I was trying to think then how could we – he could shop himself. But then I looked at, again, the question, how could high schoolers try – they can play, but there's a lot of, you know, rural schools. People get overlooked. So there's got to be something these kids could do, that little extra, to, to maybe help them. Well, I think that um, with with anything, you have to make yourself believable. Like, you have to be able to, uh, it's kind of like this, brother. It's like, you know, with me with training, like, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I work everyone. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to work as much as I possibly can. And, you know, outside of that, then I'm going to promote my work just as hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'm going to. I think a different way to do it um it's just like you know you have to make yourself you, you have to make yourself visible you know so many people want you to be humble to the part to where you're invisible just like don't say anything just you know what i mean <laughs> you know just uh it, it's not it's not the old days to where if you're just talented someone's going to come find you you got to make yourself seen you got to you got to do something so with the high school kids i would suggest going to camps i would suggest um you know, doing workout videos. I would suggest um, contacting coaches um, as soon as you can. I would suggest taking over your recruitment, not allowing someone else to just lead your recruitment and, yeah. and wait till the last second. And, uh, you know, I would suggest just uh, just following your dream. You know, any, anything is possible, man. Any Anything can happen. And, I mean, 
you know, when I when I started coaching AAU years ago, I had a bunch of under radar guys where, you know, people were kind of like looking at certain teams and they were doing this and doing that. And, you know, I've had guys, you know, you know, drop buckets against the number one team in the country, you know what I mean, college and, you know, uh, lead their conference in steals, lead their conference in rebounds. And, you know, it's just it's just the way you uh, it's just the way you work and it's just building confidence, man. And confidence is just so important with your growth. Yeah, that that's that's all very big. Uh, I hope I hope we can get more people out there to do it. We just did a podcast with Coach Dumas where we talked about those same things, getting kids into camp so they could get seen. Also, uh, getting your clearinghouse paperwork filled out as soon as possible so coaches can contact you. I think that's big. People people look at the I can play part of it, but there I mean, let's face it. There's kids that wind up in two year schools because they don't have the grades for a four year school. Some of them wind up there because they they might be the first person in their their house to ever go to college they didn't know about the clearinghouse paperwork a lot of that is just information getting it out there and 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 if anybody's listening to this and wants help ask questions dream big and ask bigger questions to get you there uh would you agree with that absolutely man you, you gotta you gotta be ahead of the curve you you can't you know you gotta, you gotta be that guy that stands out you know you can stand in the crowd and that's fun but they gotta be Point you out in the crowd. They got to be able to. That guy's different. So, you know, when it comes down to filling out paperwork and controlling the controllables and, and doing things uh, ahead of time, you know, be on top of all that. You know, uh, uh, one thing that a lot of guys uh, wait to do, they wait to take it serious. They wait late to take it serious. You know what I mean? So they wait to their senior year and they just start like, coach, I'm, I'm getting ready to start grinding. I'm, man. I help you as much as possible, but I mean, you're behind so many people just because you waited so long. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are content because they're the best player on their high school, but they're the best player on their high school and they're number 50 in the state ranked. You know what I mean? And you know, after the after the first 20 guys, nothing is guaranteed. Because if you see. You know, I was talking to somebody about this recently. The top 15 guys, maybe 15. I don't want to be quoted on this. Maybe 15. I'll do the math later. Those guys go to Division One. Maybe the top 15. You know what I mean? Right, and that's dependent on class. If you got a strong class, you might get 17 to 20. But if it's a weak class, you might only get 8 to 10. Exactly. So let's just let's just say a, a rough, a rough medium. Let's just say 14, 15 guys go. Okay, so that's the top 15. That's a roster, basically. That's an all-star roster. Bam. So you look at it like this. The guys that are 16 to 25, they want to go Division One, but they have people in their ear telling them, one man, and you know what I mean, and wait, and, and, and this and that. And so those guys, they don't look, and they don't, they don't receive calls from the NAIA schools. And they don't contact back the D2 schools. So they end up waiting, and they end up waiting and waiting. And a certain percentage of those kids, they'll either go to a prep school. If they go to a really successful prep school, it'll work out. Or some of those kids will end up going to a school. You know, they end up going to a Division one, a Division two, excuse me, or NEIA school. The kids that are like 25 to like 35, 25 to 40, those kids are going to be more on the line of NAIA maybe because they're – 
they have NAIA schools that'll be Division One schools. Oh yeah, and you know what I mean? Like they have some really great, and especially in Louisiana, man, from Xavier to Loyola to LSU A to LSU S. I mean, you know, they would be Division One programs. Yeah, Seriously. I think they beat NSU back in the day when NSU won like two games in a season. Your top D two teams will beat your bottom D one teams. Absolutely, and then got the guys you got guys that um maybe left on and that may be good enough to go but may not qualify grades wise and they'll go shoot they'll go to go okay so you look at maybe the top 50 kids 45 40 at the max being able to go and play and i don't know how many kids there are in the state but if you have 14 to 15 kids on each team and you got 40 to 50 kids that are going to go to play college basketball, that's a very small percentage. You know what I mean? So you you have, you have to work, man. They have so many kids that, you know, they have so many people around them that are just, you know, you're good, good and, you know, uh, you know, and kind of just distract them and, and, you know, just kind of tell them that it's a group, you know. One thing I'll tell a player is, I'll tell them, man, you can play, but then we'll get in the gym and we'll work harder than we worked the, the session before because I'm like man like you can play but let's not settle let's not get complacent you know even with my guys now like like my guy Latrell Jones Latrell Jones he had big time games against Gonzaga big time games BYU he just transferred they had a coaching change out there in Portland he just transferred to Nickel State he's going to play with Raji Lyons those two kids that I had when he was 16 years old and I've been working with those kids you know what I mean? The last four years, like, so, like, I'm super excited. And every session with Latrell is just like when we started. It's just like when we started. We worked just as hard as, as he did when he was, you know, he was a junior in high school. You know what I mean? And uh, now he's a junior in college. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's just about never, never being complacent and just, you know, just outwork everyone every single day. Like do whatever you have to do to outwork. You don't want to. You don't want to lay down or wake up in the morning and feel like you didn't get work done the day before. Because guess what? You're two days behind. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I know I exactly know. what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And if these kids don't want to be squeezed in the margins and lose that scholarship because they were waiting or they're about to start. They need to squeeze every bit of talent out of what they have and the opportunities now. Like like all them players, like Raji Lines was doing in your gym last year. That hot box of a gym with no air conditioning. He was squeezing every bit of talent out, so he could he could he would never be squeezed in the margins. He'll he'll make it on merit. Absolutely, and, and I'm gonna tell you, man. Like you know, one thing I've been sh- I've been sharing with the players, and I'm like, man, like you know, I don't want these open runs to be like almost like an all star game feel to where you know breakaway dunks and guys stop playing defense and have court. Nah, man. Everybody I pick is gonna come at them, and they're gonna compete at a high level. And, he, and everybody's still trying to get better. You know what I mean? Like like Dykes, I worked out with Dykes a few months ago, and that dude worked so hard. Like, he worked like he worked like he still had stuff to prove because probably he probably feels that way. But to me, he's one of the most accomplished basketball players to ever play out of New Orleans, straight up. But, you know, so for an 18-year-old kid that comes in a gym next Friday, 19-year-old kid that comes to the gym next Friday, son, don't coast. You got a lot to prove. You got a lot to learn. And, you know, those sessions are are to 
you know, build a culture and bring everybody together. But, you know, first of all, before anything, I'm a player development coach. This is all about development to me. This is about getting guys together and, you know, iron sharpening iron. You know what I mean? Like guys coming together, clashing and, and, and you know, um, bring, bringing forth good energy and just building off of it, man. So, you know, I just to go back to my original point, uh, just work, man. Like, just, just work so hard that you don't leave anything on the table. Leave no doubt. Definitely don't leave any doubt. And, Coach, when I walked in that gym watching a few times, there was no doubt that there was a lot of talent in the gym, but there was even more respect in that gym than I think any other uh, attribute because everyone in there respected they were getting to play. It was the middle of the pandemic, middle of COVID. Didn't matter about air condition. Didn't matter if, you know, it was Lamar and Tyree going against a college kid at Xavier. I remember that duo. They looked great during the season. But there was a respect there both ways. Neither one of them was going to quit. Nobody was going to get, you know, a half-ass effort. Everybody was going to go at each other with respect to, to make it where iron sharpens iron type situation. And, and you could really see that. You could sense it. And that level of respect and accountability goes a long way. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, like like the kid, uh, the kid that you were talking about from Xavier, um, Rayshon. Rayshon, yeah. You know, he ended up being player of the year, you know, NAIA ball. You know, Makai, the other one was honorable mention, All-American. You know what I mean? Those guys, those guys came in the gym and, you know, to me, they were top five in the gym that, that those those two sessions, like, they competed hard every single time. And then they competed hard during the season. And it, uh, you know, it, it shows how serious they are. And you, you brought up a great word. You brought up the word respect. Like, respect. I feel like if you love the game, you're going to respect it. So, and if you if you love the culture, you're going to respect the people. So when we're in the gym and like, you know, we're bringing everybody together and obviously um, I, I respect all these kids because that are in the gym because to me, they're all fighters. They had to fight to get to the situation that they're in now. And some of them are still fighting to get at a higher or a higher level or a better situation. So to me, we're bringing in a whole bunch of fighters, you know what I mean, that respect each other. And um, and I, I think when you respect the game and you love the game of basketball, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bless you with opportunities that you that you either dreamed about or you can't imagine that you would be able to accomplish. So it's, um, you know, respect the game is just so important, man. It's just as important as, uh, as everybody respecting each other. Yeah, and New Orleans, New Orleans has got that fight in them, unless we're talking about the Pelicans during the clutch time. But New Orleans has that fight, and you're talking about respect and fight. Some people will fight for stuff and try and tear others down. Everybody in there was fighting to build everyone else up, and it was a lovely, lovely thing to see, Coach. Absolutely, man. I mean, you know, I reached out to, um, I reached out to some of the the trainers down here, like like AB, um, like like Patrick, like. You know, those guys, those guys do a great job, you know, with the, you know, NFL players, with the NBA players in the offseason and, you know, with just, you know, different athletes, man. And, you know, I reached out to those guys and I reached out to the media guys. I reached out to people like yourself, like Josh Preston, Baz Break, you know, Polo. I reached out to a lot of different people um, just because, you know, I, I want this to be a collective um I want this to be just like a, a collection of, of individuals 
who have done great things um, as individuals, and we can come together and do something phenomenal as a team, even if it, even if it's once or twice. You know what I mean? And you know, like I, you know, like I was telling Dumas, man, I, I have a lot of respect for Dumas, and and one of the reasons why, like, you know, my my um, my circle is very small. You know, my circle consists of family and consists of people that I've been dealing with for a very long time. And I have a lot of coaching friends and I have a lot of people that I network with and, and talk to. But as far as people I, I work with, you know, I work with, you know, self. And I work with Polo a lot. I mean, all my videos, you know, Polo is dropping up. I mean, he's just a phenomenal uh, videographer, photographer. He's going to he's gonna blow up in the film industry, man. And, you know, I'm excited for him. And, um... When, when I talked to Dumas about this, it was a respect factor, but he, you know, that dude, that dude grinds, like, he motivates me, you know what I mean? He's told me, like, man, like, you know, I love you grind, coach, and this, so maybe we motivate each other, but you always need people that are in your city that are going to push you, and see, and see, coaches, you know, he's doing a phenomenal job, you know, with, you know, with his program, and you know, we came out around the same time, you know, from high school and, you know, we grew up in similar neighborhoods and, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to see his growth and I know, you know, I know he's going to, he's going to reach his ultimate goal, whatever his ultimate goal is, but, you know, for us to come together and, and put this, you know, get this situation going and I, I just think it's great for the city, you know, I really think it's great for the city and, you know, I'm hoping everybody comes in and enjoys themselves and, you know, we can make great memories Friday night. Oh, it's more than memories. You're laying a, a, another layer of foundation for this city to, to move forward both positively through basketball, but just in general, giving outlets and giving kids something to look forward to. That that sort of stuff's great. Uh, but, Coach, we coming up on the 30-minute mark, don't want to keep you too long. We've talked a lot of general stuff on how to build culture in teams. Let's switch this to the, some very specific instances for the Pelicans. Uh, we can talk coaching, and I'm going to talk a little bit of a, of a play do you remember the last week when Eric Bledsoe come out and said he wasn't paying attention in the huddle, up three, eight seconds left against the Knicks. He didn't foul like Stan Van Gundy said he should have. Lonzo left his man, Bullock hits the three, Pelicans losing overtime. As a coach, how do you hold a player accountable, maybe not a professional player because you can't alienate a guy making more than you uh, in the professional ranks, but how in college and high school would you go at a player that said, literally come out and said after the game, I wasn't paying attention, that's why I didn't foul up three. Well, I would immediately after the game, I would I would talk to him. I would set up a meeting, and I would we put the us, you know, where he's at mentally. A lot of times, like uh, you know, a lot of coaches don't understand. A lot of times, when kids are let out, it has nothing to do with disrespect. It has to do with stuff that's going on in their personal life, and it carries over onto the court, and it carries over, um, you know, with the team. You know, so a lot of times, like, I'll ask the kid, like, how's everything going? Like, you know, like, what's going on? You have problems with your girlfriend, everything cool at home. Like, you know, I know their grades, so I know if the grades are, if something is going on with the grades. And, you know, you just have to ask them that. Now, after those questions are answered, and we kind of get to the bottom of it, but if we don't, you know, I ask them, do they really want to be here? Because they have somebody that's dying to be in your spot. You know what I mean? If you're in the game at a crunch time, that means that you're a player that we need. You know what I mean? 
if you're in a game at a crunch time, you're a player that, that we need in that situation or that we expect to be in that situation to do something to help us. So I'm now it's kind of like as a player and as a coach, I got to look over my shoulder. The player, you got to look over your shoulder because guess what? If you're not going to get it done, son, and if you don't take this serious, I got to roll with the other kid that's busting it every day at practice and the kid that, you know, that's going to come in and just make the right play. You know what I mean? It's, it's it, it, so many, so many players, man, they don't, they don't understand that coaches, um, coaches are so, they're so critical of body language. You know what I mean? On a high school and a college level. The pros, they get away with it, man. Those are millionaires, man. Those guys, they were real fighters. You know what I mean? Those were serious fighters. They fought to get to that level. And they're making, you know, they're making more than a coaches. So you got to kind of deal with, with those personalities. But a college coach walking in the gym on a, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday and sees a kid lashing off at his coach or rolling his eyes or going through the motion, or just you know, that's a that's a major red flag. They're gonna move to the next court and go get the kid that's a little that's maybe just as good, or isn't isn't just as good, but can, but you know what I mean. That's just locked in mentally and and, and focused on what they're doing. So, man, I just I'm telling I'm I'm telling you know uh, anybody that I know, all the high school kids that I work with, I just tell them, man, just. Watch your body language and just respect your coach. Yes, sir. No, sir. I mean, I'm a younger coach, so, you know, guys, some guys that I coach right now, you know, they're they're eight, nine years younger than me. You know what I mean? So they're like, you know, I don't expect for them to say yes, sir, or no, sir. I just expect for them to say yes, coach. And I'll, I'll call them by their name. You know what I mean? Like, or their last name. You know? So it's just... um. Like with the situation um, with, you know, some pro players, you know, doing that to, toward their coach, a lot of times it's because they don't want to be there. Right. I think some of Bledsoe's, I'm not going to say problems, issues, mindset, is that he just, he's been competing for championships with Giannis in Milwaukee for years. Now he's That's getting compared not only to Brogdon back in the day, but to Drew. And his situation, look at the season, it's just kind of like, guys, we're four games back. Yeah, he should have been paying attention in the huddle. He should have helped win that game, and they wouldn't be back that much. But some of it is, yeah, it's his mindset. He's away from his family. It's a pandemic, shortened season. I give him a little bit of credit for owning it instead of just saying something else in the uh, post-game press conference. But a lot of a lot of yeah, how I approach writing about the Pelicans, the players, and that is trying to see what they're going through as people, not just players that are betting commodities. So I give Bledsoe a little bit of a pass, not much. But there's a lot of fans out here that don't want to give Stan Van Gundy any credit, want to actually see him fire this season. And I think that's way over overboard, way extreme. He's had 14 practices with this team. He's barely had enough time to get their attention and respect in those practices and really lay down a plan. Uh, I sent you over a clip about his, his you know, out, coming out of timeouts. He's drawing up great plays. So how do yeah. you feel about the coaching right now and, and and are you? Please tell me you're not on the bandwagon of wanting to chase him out of town already. Absolutely not, man. I mean, first of all, Stan Van Gundy's a, he's a brilliant basketball mind. Stan Van Gundy with those Orlando Magic teams, those teams were tough. Those teams were were, you know, they were they were great. I mean, 
you know, having you know, guys like um, yeah, they were a great you know, team, but not the individual. You had Jameer Nelson, who was a good player, but I think if you give him a point guard better than Jameer Nelson, he could get back to the finals with Zion. Yeah, I, I think so, man. I think, and I'm gonna tell you, man. Um, people naturally are impatient. Sports, you know, we we tend to want, you know, the throats to happen so fast. You know what I mean? And and it's like my my first year when I was at Delgado, I was like, I just got there, and I was like, I wanted to win so bad. Every night I would go home and I would stay up watching film, and I would look at how we went, you know, through a through a play or you know how we guarded the ball screen, and I would just stay up and and then I was just realizing that son, you building for next year. It's not going to happen this year. You need to make sure that everything lines up and, and get these guys on the same page and get players in there that are serious. And now this year, I was like, man, we were close. Now this year, I can say, you know what? We might be able to compete for a championship. Now, with the Pelicans, I mean, they're going to make the, they're going to make the playoffs. You know, in my opinion, they're going to make the playoffs, and they have to. They have to trust Coach Van Gundy. I mean, 14 practices, that's that's not enough time for guys to jail. That's not that's not enough time, man. And this shortened season and you know, having, you know, playing in a bubble and then having like a month or two off and then coming straight into this, like it's not a it's not enough time, man. It, it, it's really not. So to be honest, this is like a free year, just like but like the college kids, like a free year, like you know, I think give Van, give uh, Coach Van Gundy some space. I mean, at the end of the day, I think he's a hell of a coach. And I think that Zion is a beast. I think that Ingram is a beast. I think that Lonzo is a beast. I think you have to give these young players some time. Uh, and this organization, you know, will head in the right direction. I don't think, you know, going out and trying to find another coach and, and then when another coach comes in, you know, that coach reaped the, ben- the benefits of what, you know, Coach Van Gundy is instilling right now. I don't think that's the right way to do it. You know, I think the right way to do it is this season, it's a let's figure it out season. And then next year, okay, you know, you can start to hold some guys accountable. But, you know, until next year when it's when it's real training camp, when it's, a, you know, it's a, a full rest for the guys, and you go into the season, you know, uh, playing a full season, I don't think anybody can be judged. I, I don't think that anybody can be judged on it that, that fashion. And I think that uh, given a fair Right. I mean, some of them practices, you didn't even have a full squad. They were still wearing masks when they first started practicing. And they could only have one coach, one player, one ball, one court. You know, it, you can't build a team until you get the whole team together. Right. I mean, that that just – I think you got to give him at least another year, year and a half. You, but – if you want to build that sustained championship culture that David Griffin mentioned in his introductory press conference, you don't build that by chasing chasing coaches away every other year. I, I, that just that's nonsense to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at every successful organization, um, and through with time. You there, coach? Yeah. Oh, it, it blacked out on me. All right. You good? Yeah, we good. It picked back up. It, it, it skipped out. It's no big deal. Uh, I can edit that part out. Uh, I'll just bump you up one more question, and then we'll let you go because we almost on an hour. 
Uh, you say they're going to make the playoffs. I say this season was just about evaluating the talent, shoring up the back end of the roster so that you maintain roster, you know, financial flexibility going forward. A player like Najee Marshall has come in and done that. As long as we found one or two players that could fit in that reserve rotation, again, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, we found out he was worth the price of admission this year before he got hurt. He was posting you know, great numbers when he had starter minutes. So finding out Nikhil can play. Finding out Najee Marshall can stick around. Pairing Najee Marshall with Josh Hart. Like people will say, if we found Marshall for cheap, we can get rid of Hart. I say, why not both? You need those kind of players. Those kind of players that represent the won't bow down mantra. You need them in here. And finding them this season makes this season a success, even if we don't make the play-in scenario. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it's about. Um, it's just about, you know, progressing, you know, as, uh, as an organization. I mean, I think that we're headed in the right direction. Like I said, I mean, with, with a player like Zion, man, sky's the limit. And getting the right pieces around him, you know, like I said, with Najee Marshall coming in, I think that was big. Nikhil Alexander, I mean, he's a very solid player. You know, so I think that is just about, you know, getting these guys some playoff experience and, and starting off fresh next year and then building towards, you know, what they want. You know, but as far as like winning a championship, it takes a lot of time. And, you know, the people have to be patient. You know, the owners have to be patient. Everybody on board has to be patient. They have to trust in who they hired, who they signed, and uh, make it work. Right. But, hey, Coach, you talk about time and windows and patience. I appreciate you being patient with me today, coming on the podcast. We'll let you get out of here so you can get a few things done at 5 o'clock. One more time, will you tell the people where they can find you on social media so they can follow all this positive stuff and, and stay engaged with you through all these community outreach programs? It's uh, Twitter at Coach Rory P. And on Instagram, it's just C-O-A-C-H-R-O-R-Y, Coach Rory. There you go. Coach Rory, uh, thanks for giving us a window into your mind, into your day, little pieces of Pieces of knowledge, always, always helpful. I love the insights you give us here on Protect the Nest. Hope we can have you back on in a couple of weeks when we talk about this open run and how the, you know, how the Pelican season's looking once they get in the playoffs. If they, if they make it there, I'm not so sure. You say you're sure. Tell you what, if they make it, I got your next meal. <laughs>